0: over our lives praise the lord forevermore hallelujah 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 glory to god in the highest you may be seated in your place here and we thank you for joining us via this stream on this service today Uh, we welcome all of you and we thank you for making this part of your sunday and we really ask that the lord would bless you uh, beyond measure that's what God constantly wants to do, is to lavishly pour His blessings upon us. We had an exciting week this past week because we were able to spend some time uh, on the Psalms of Ascent. We were following this teaching on the, on the pastoral reflections that we were doing three, days, uh, three times per day on uh, Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. And that whole series was prepared by us locally, myself, Pastor V. And Pastor Enid. And we prepared that really to get the church ready for our opening, which, by the way, we'll give you more details at the close of this service, but the next Sunday is our official public opening. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. (laughs) Finally, we waited. But we prepared that series really to get our church on the path back to gathering. It's been more than three months. And uh, that we, I wanted to find a biblical model or example to illustrate for us that route back, that journey back to the temple. And uh, the Psalms of Ascent are very fascinating, Psalms 120 to 134. Those 15 Psalms, we unpacked them all last week. And really what it was is these were the songs that the people of Israel were able to sing as they were in procession, as they were on a a parade, if you will, if they were on their their journey back to the temple, back to Jerusalem, to go to the temple to worship. And each one of those psalms, which is an interesting uh, biblical uh, uh, teaching, uh, was, was sung publicly. These things were not sung privately in the confines of the temple, but rather as the people were marching toward Jerusalem, And to go to the temple, they proclaimed and they pronounced and they sang these psalms. And each one of them, what they did, these psalms, was highlighting the importance of God, Jehovah God, to the people of Israel and how he had provided for them, how he had been for them. And that's what they kept singing as they were marching up uh, to the temple to worship. So we wanted to locate that in our church journey as well as a congregation coming back to what now will be this coming Sunday, uh, July 5th, where we will gather for worship. But one of the things that struck me very strongly, and I want to continue the preaching today, is that at the end of those 15 Psalms, they were going up to Jerusalem, and then the question that kept coming to me, to do what? What did they do when they finally went into the temple? The answer to that is found in the very next psalm of the uh, Songs of Ascent, and that's Psalm 135. So today, I want to spend some time with you to just unpack for the sake of where we are as a church and where, what can we expect from God and what can we do with regard to God and our relationship with Him when we gather next Sunday. I've titled this sermon today, and I'm going to reflect on Psalm 135, I've, I've titled it, Worship His Majesty. Worship His Majesty. It is often so difficult to be able to capture the essence and the attributes of God in a word and in a phrase. And sometimes we have to find certain words that kind of en- encapsulate to a certain point so that we as human beings can understand, but certainly do not limit God to that. When we look at the attributes of God, which is the names of God, The reason why we have so many attributes that are related to God is because it is impossible to to just take God and fold him into one name. Because names in the Old Testament and name in human tradition had a significance. So it is very difficult to be able to just take God and kind of almost limit him into the definition or the temperament of a particular name. In fact, till up to this day... The Orthodox Jews don't even mention God or the name of God because they find that the human mouth is is not holy enough to even articulate or pronounce his name. So what we find is we have to find certain words in whatever language, because I can think of several already in Spanish, but in in the English language, and the word majesty kind of encapsulates for us a, a good portion of God. So worship his majesty. When the people of Israel went through the doors of the temple as they were processing up, they finished well, Psalm 134, they're done with the uh, songs of ascent. What happens now when they enter the temple? They went into the temple to worship, to praise. And I want us as a church to be ready to do that, but let's unpack it. Verses 1 and 2 tells us the following. It it, it highlights for us the function of praise, that we are To function as praisers before the Lord. It says, Praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise Him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. So, our function as a people when we come into our building next week, it is not just simply to display our Sunday best. Or to show or tell stories of uh, what we usually do when we meet people we haven't seen in a long time. We kind of catch up. It is, we're going to do that, of course, before the service starts and afterwards. We'll have a moment of catch up, of course. But the function that we have for a gathering next week is none of that. It is really to praise Amen. Him, Amen. to worship Him. Come on, is there a praise in the house and in the home right now? Praise the Lord. That is the function. It is not to listen to an alliterated sermon or an eloquent sermon or a wonderful praise song or to see how the musicians do this or that or to see what Pastor Mark has been saying for so long, the place is going to be different. Let me see how different it is. You'll notice it will be different. But the reason we gather, the reason we gather, the function is to praise the Lord. That's what churches need to be about. It isn't to be about personalities or programs or to occupy space in our calendar, on our schedule for the day. It really is about gathering to praise the Lord. In fact, I'm going to go even further. It isn't even to present to God my list of wants and needs. It is really about taking the moment to thank God and to praise Him and to worship and adore Him. And it's talking about a collective activity, not an individual activity. But what should our attitude be? our attitude is to praise look at verses three through four in fact it tells us right there that we should praise the lord why look at look at how he highlights these uh these reasons and it's a limited list it's not a complete comprehensive list but we need to praise god because he is good he's been good to us we need to praise god because it's pleasant you actually feel good when you're involved in a moment of, of praising yeah, we, we why should we praise god because god calls us his own in fact it says in the text that we are his treasured possession. I mean, being locked up for three months plus creates this darkness that's, that starts to knock on your door. No matter how healthy you are emotionally and mentally, it's going to happen. Because your regular routines of going here and there and everywhere and being active, particularly in the, sun, in the spring and summer, all of that has been curtailed. So what happens? What happens to us is that we begin to have these uh, battles deep inside, whether you admit it or not. It happens at the conscious level and subconscious level. And the, we, we feel uh, the walls creeping in on us. We feel the lack of our normal activities have been taken away. And shortly but steadily it's going to happen. We start to feel like we don't belong, like we're not part, like we're isolated, like we're, 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 we should be in hiding. Well, I want to counter that today to tell you that our attitude needs to be what it says in these verses, and and it it is to understand that you are a treasure of God. You're a treasured possession that you and I belong to God. We might not have had the connections with our families, our loved ones, our co-workers, our neighbors, uh, the, the church congregation, but please know, know, have this attitude as we get ready. God is good. It is pleasant to worship him god is uh, uh, god calls us his own god calls us his treasured po- you are valuable in the eyes of god even with a mask on god still loves you even as we have to scrub our hands all the time even when we can't greet each other the way we used to we need to understand that the attitude needs to be god has not rejected me i am treasured possession in fact Let me speak directly to your heart. Even if you haven't been behaving in these last three months, you are still God's treasured possession. And you need to get that attitude in your mind because when you do that, then you'll realize how good He really is, how pleasant He is. And even in verse 5, when it says, The Lord is great. He is, the, he is greater than all the gods. Now, I understand that's written back in the Old Testament during the time when there was paganism all over. People worshipped a lot of things. Well, actually, that's not too far from where we are today as well. People worship a lot of things. Uh, but He is God, the one that should be worshipped. He is greater than any philosophy, any thinking, any religion, any theology, any inclination of the human heart. God is superior to that. My attitude needs to be that he's greater than any government agency, than any scientist. He's he's greater than than coronavirus and than any medication that can be given to you to help you counter the effects. He's greater than any... He is greater. And I am his possession. Hallelujah. I belong to him. That's the attitude that we need to come in. In fact, when you have an appointment made with somebody significant, you make sure that you're there on time you make sure that you make the best personal presentation that you can because you're meeting somebody significant. Well, let me tell you, when we gather next week, it isn't just somebody just significant or just known. It is the God, the creator of the heavens and earth, the God that knows you deep down in your heart, the God that exists yesterday, today, and tomorrow, the forevermore, the majesty, we're going to meet with him. So we need to make sure that we're in the right frame of mind, the right attitude when we approach the temple next week, when we gather, even those of you that can't be with us, that you're far away and you're going to be joining us next week, we need to have an attitude in our mind, regardless of who preaches, who sings, who does whatever, we are going before in the presence of His majesty, the great and awesome God. That's the attitude that we need to have. If you look at verses 6, 6, 7, we have to jump to the next one. So our function is praise. Our attitude is praise. But we need to also realize that, that we're serving a God that does everything and anything. Verse 6 and 7 says, The Lord does whatever He pleases. I, I, I love when I reflect on, on God being able, when I start to think more deeply about God. And, and I, don't, I don't profess at all to know Him in the sense of knowing, knowing Him. <laughs> You only know bits and pieces of God as you journey through your life. One day, it will all be made clear to us, as it says in Corinthians. But right now, we move forward with a portion of God that we can understand. And I always think about this, that, that God is a, he, he, he exists yesterday, today, and tomorrow at the same time. Now, that's a mind blower right off the top of the, uh, pardon the pun, part, right off the top of our head. But God, not only that, but God is the creator. It says that out of nothing, out of the vast emptiness pre-Genesis 1-1, when everything was in disorder pre you go back to genesis the first verse in the first chapter first book first chapter first verse god existed before that well we're not able to have adequate human explanation of what that looked like what that vacuum looked like some call it darkness some call it a vacuum and those are words that help us as human beings to try and capture the significance but god was functioning totally as God, as He is today, He was already functioning back then. Remember, He doesn't age. So when we think about that God does whatever He wants to do, back then, pre-Genesis 1-1, you know what He decided that He wanted to do? He decided to create. And his creation wasn't by sending a memo to somebody or sending a, a, a description of what uh, the, the vision of what he wanted. God used his spoken word, except when it came to the creation of human beings, you and I. That we're made precious. We're made in the image and likeness of God. There is value, intrinsic value in us. That's why today we need to be upset when people are mistreated, when racism rises up, because what you're doing is destroying the image of God and other people. That's a unique creation. You and I are a unique creation. That's why we have to fight for unborn babies. That's why we have to fight against racism. That's why we have to speak for the immigrant and the person that doesn't have a voice. Because the image of God is in them. Separate creation. But before God did, did any of that, everything else that you see. The wind, the mountains, the, the, the stars in the sky, the clouds, the fish in the sea, the animals that are around us. God created them simply by speaking, he said, let there be, and everything all of a sudden came. Because God is so powerful that he does whatever he wants to do. Look at in the verses it says it. The heavens and the earth, the seas and all its death. He makes clouds right from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Think about that for a moment. We don't just serve a little God. We don't just serve a uh, sometimes God. We serve a God that can do whatever he wants to do. And you need to hear that right now. You know why? Because that prayer request that you've had before the Lord for your loved one, it's on God's lips. He's, he can do whatever he wants to. When, the, when a doctor says no, God says yes. When the counselor says no, God says yes. When the people tell you it's over for you, God says no. I'm able to, out of the ashes, resurrect. He can give life to bones. Didn't he do that in Ezekiel? We need to understand that God is able to do whatever. Don't limit God by your limitations, but rather take your limitations away and let God be God in your life. Some of us are alive today because God can do anything. The doctor diagnosed us and told us, you don't have much time, but here we are, our heart still beating, our body still functioning because God can do whatever He wants to do. Some of you gave up on your loved one, gave up on your son, your daughter, your spouse, whatever it might be in your home. Somebody dear to you because you you said you tried everything. I'm here to tell you today that God can do anything. God can break the stronghold of alcoholism. God can break the stronghold of suicide. God can break the stronghold of rebelliousness. That's what God is about. He can do anything. And when you give up, God doesn't give up. God holds on to the heart of that loved one and brings them out of the mud and mire and turns situations around. See, that's why we need to praise him. When we get together, we need to tell him, Lord, you've been good to me. I should have been dead a long time ago, but here I am on July 5th next week. July 5th next week, worshiping and praising you. That's reason enough. People gave up. Mommy gave up. Daddy gave up. Family gave up. They put me up for adoption or whatever. They almost killed me when I was a kid. But here I am alive. God can do anything. He can restore you. He can give you your song back. You think it's over because you made a mistake. Yes, you made a mistake, but God can do anything, including forgive. In fact, nothing makes us more like God than when we forgive. Nothing. And we need to understand that God is the one that will forgive us, and not only forgive us, but what we thought was over. God says, no, it is not over. It is not over. The call of God is irrevocable. We mess up along the way. But God picks up the pieces and puts it. God can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Hallelujah. That fable song that we had that presents this image of falling off the wall, never been able to be repaired. He can, if he repaired my life, he can repair your life. He can repair, if he repaired other people's life, he can repair your life as well. He can do anything he pleases. Let's go on. I'm getting all excited about that. And I should. Verses 8, 9, and 10. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt, the firstborn of people and animals. He sent his signs and wonders into your midst, Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his servants. He struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. What I get out of this is that we need to worship his majesty because if anyone knows how to protect us, God knows how to protect us. If anyone has your back, my back, God. God is a God that protects We need to spend time praising him for his stubborn love and his stubborn protection over us. Thank God that he didn't look at our bad decisions and let us suffer the consequences of of those bad decisions. But God also pulled us out and, in many instances, protected us from ourselves. How many times have we told, Lord, get me out of this, and from this point on, I will serve you forever. Two days later, we're back doing the same stuff all over again. Oftentimes, the Lord doesn't have to protect us from the enemy. He has to protect us from ourselves. And I'm here to tell you that God protects us. That is reason to worship His majesty. Reason to thank Him and praise Him for the goodness He's been over our lives. And, and, and I've taught this, at this from this pulpit often, and I want to hit this point again, because I, I, I live this, and that is my faithfulness to God not only guarantees through this psalm, that God will protect me, and that is reason enough for me to praise him when we come to the house of the Lord. I don't praise him just because I'm the pastor. It's part of my temperament. I I can't sit idle in a service and not clap my hands and not say hallelujah and praise the Lord and, and sing. I just can't help. He's just been too good, but as I remain faithful to him, God will protect my loved ones as well. And I'm going to tell you this, regardless of what path they take, if you remain holding on to the hand of the Lord, there's a song in Spanish that says it, it translates poorly into the English, but I've got my hand locked in the hand of the Lord. And it doesn't matter what may come my way, I'm going to hold on tightly to that hand because the Lord is going to carry me through. I'm here to tell you that as you remain faithful to God, God's justice and God's protection will cover your household as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to clap my hands and say thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. But look at how he protects us. It says that not only did he strike down many nations, but he killed many kings, it says in the text. Mighty kings. Fearful monsters that rise up. You don't have to be afraid. When you're walking with the Lord, you can walk in confidence, moving forward, filled with faith. Don't be looking for those people to pay for what they did. Just trust the Lord and leave it in the Lord's hands. He will take care of what we needs, He needs to take care of in order to protect you. Let me move on. God also is a God of inheritance. If you look at verses 12, uh, uh, 12 and 13, And He gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to, the, to His people Israel. Your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renowned Lord through all generations. And li- listen, we come into salvation simply by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. You accept Him as your Lord and Savior and you become part of the family of God and you're secure in Him and your eternal rest with Him. Inheritance is something different. Inheritance is simply because you belong to somebody in some way, in some fashion. You have a right to what they have, their treasures. And that will ultimately come back down to you. But you have to be faithful. And here's what happens. The Bible is telling the people of Israel here clearly that when they get to the place of worship, now they need to remember that that the Lord is their inheritance, the land that they thought they did not have, which was taken from them which now we see the nation of Israel established in 1948 and we see it growing and, and we as a church support and pray always for, for Israel and, and for the peace of Jerusalem in, in a more general way, um, we have to realize that, that there is a, an inheritance that God brings to those that are His possession. And we are. You may not know what it is. You may not know the amount or the texture of the inheritance. But there, are, there is a prize, there is a gift coming back to you simply because you're connected with God. Now, I believe this portion of Scripture speaks to our church because we've been hearing the prophetic word coming over and over that the best is yet to come. And I've actually been praying specifically in that area, Lord, what is it? He ha- By the way, he hasn't answered to me yet, but I trust the Lord that whatever it is is going to be mind-blowing for everybody. And I believe that it is not just for me, the leadership of this house. I believe it is for. Is connected to everyone. I believe it is connected to all the people connected to us that are faithful to the, to the Lord and holding on to God. Holding on to God. There's an, an inheritance coming to you that will endure forevermore and God has it already for you. An inheritance, it says here, to his people, Israel, speaking in plurality here. Don't have to work for it simply because you are his possession it will come. What does that do for me? When I enter into the house of the Lord now, I praise Him because I trust the Lord. I don't have a picture of what it will be, but I know God. I know His presence and His word. I know when He commits to something, it comes to pass. And because of that trust in Him, I can come and celebrate, although I haven't received the inheritance yet. And I want to encourage you, church keep moving forward. It's not over. You're alive? You're alive? You're alive? It's not over. While we're alive, it's not over. You can expect, and you say, well, when does it end? It only ends when the Lord calls you up to be be with him and and forevermore. But I believe the blessings of the Lord are every day, fresh, every single day for us. The provision of the Lord, it is not over for this church. I believe it's over for COVID. That's going to happen. Of course it will. That's how we're praying. We bind, rebuke, destroy, cast out. Amen. But God has something fresh for us an inheritance for us, something that our God, and because of that, we praise and adore Him. And then let me close it out. Because how do we worship His majesty? It's wonderful to know all the reasons that He's good, He's pleasant, where His treasured possession, that God can do everything, that He's great, that He's greater than all the gods, that He will uh, destroy nations and kill mighty kings, all of that, that I have an inheritance in Him. It's wonderful knowing It's a whole different situation, doing. And I believe we need to enter his courts with praise when we return here for our public services next week. Don't come back thinking, okay, let's see what they did. No, come back, you doing, you praising the Lord. Look at what he says at the end, verses 19, 20, and 21. Look at the declaration of the psalm. All you Israelites praise the Lord. Now it's a command. In other words, don't just think it. Don't just absorb the information. Let's pray. Let's do it. We should all stand. That will help me close the sermon. And let's all stand. All Israelites, praise the Lord. He says, house of Aaron, praise the Lord. House of Levi, praise the Lord. You who fear him, praise the Lord. And then they make a praise declaration. They say, praise be to the Lord from Zion. To him who dwells in Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Some versions show that last phrase as hallelujah. And that's that spontaneous but very particular personal praise that comes out of you, giving it unto the Lord. So church, God doesn't want us to be students of praise. God wants us to be praisers. God doesn't want us to know the concepts in our mind. God wants us to be a group of believers that will lift up their hands, raise their voices, and let's go into a moment of praise because really praise is what we should be doing. We should be doing through our actions, through our thinking. That's what we should be doing. When we gather on Sundays and when we gather here in the house of the Lord, that's what we should be doing. Let's lift up our hands throughout the sanctuary. In your homes, let's open our mouths. And let's praise because that's what we should be doing let's practice as we get ready to compete in the church next week because praise is what we do come on lift up your voices lift up your voices